0: The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome back to the Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. This is the last episode of the Running Podcast and it's been hugely enjoyable over the past 13 weeks, taking you through the highs and lows of a marathon training programme and hopefully getting some decent advice along the way from our host of contributors. And I want to thank everybody who has got in touch, particularly since the marathon at the weekend, to wish me well in advance of it. Thank you all very much for getting in touch on social media over the past few days. We're going to do things slightly different this week. Usually I'd have one or two guests in and I'd ask the questions. So this week I'm going to be asked the questions. So we'll get straight into it. The RT Online Sports Editor, Mikey Stafford, is going to be asking the questions. I'm going to be answering them. And we're going to reflect back on the Rotterdam Marathon, which I completed uh, 24 hours ago. I can can still feel the the effects of it, particularly going up the stairs and down the stairs. Anyhow, so this is Mikey Stafford, Online Sports Editor, without whom the podcast wouldn't have happened. We began when he reacted to me calling him a keen runner the rte running podcast
1: the word keen's doing some heavy lifting there brian at the moment but uh, i'm doing a half marathon this weekend um which i'll hopefully finish before the sun goes down like that's how i am um, that diagnosed with arthritis in my big toe which has slowed me down somewhat but i think the weather getting warmer so i'm thinking spring is sprung so i should be able to limp around for 13 miles on Sunday morning in Wexford.
0: how did you figure out you had arthritis in the big toe
1: It'd been annoying me for about a year but actually got worse during the winter which was probably a clue i got an x-ray last summer thinking maybe i'd had a toe broken playing or something but it was that nothing showed up on the x-ray so then i went uh, eventually after it really was annoying me a bit i went and got an mri item, and that's what showed it up so i'm waiting to see a a consultant in Santry to see what can be done but um the interesting thing is I can still play five-side soccer and it doesn't bother me nearly as much. So I think maybe my soft running shoes are a problem. I need to get something a bit more rigid. So I probably, you, I might bring you with me, Brian. I know you're a keen shoe <laughs> shop. <laughs> no. You go any good shoes.
0: You wouldn't have much money left to put it that way. As <laughs> uh, I walk into those running shops, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. So let's get out to yourself, Rotterdam. It's all been built into this.
1: Uh, regular listeners of the podcast will be kept updated so we won't keep them we won't keep them in suspense let us know yeah what was your time and what were your initial thoughts on it and how do you reflect on it now a few days later
0: I suppose it was my first marathon outside of Ireland that's the first thing and it is different and I'll come back to some of the things I might have done slightly differently again in terms of the couple of days leading up to it trying to adjust to sleep all of that kind of thing I I had trained for two times, really 315 on an exceptional day, which would have been a 10 minute PB and 320 on what I would have thought a good day. And then the third target was to finish the thing, you know, to not completely blow up. So I ended up with 322. And I we went out slightly slower than 315 pace. So you would have had to have done about 23 minutes for the first 5k to be on for 315. We were 24 minutes, but we were quite relaxed. I I ran with a with one other club member, Adrian. We were quite relaxed about it. We said, let's ease ourselves into it. Let's try and pick it up in the second half of the marathon. Let's not be crawling over the line if we can avoid it. And everything was very good. We stayed together till about mile 23. I felt really strong. And then it began to hit. So dropped off maybe 30 seconds, 20 seconds, then 20 seconds, mile 25. And then I dropped off by about 60 seconds. So I lost those two minutes in the last two and a half miles. But I mean, really... Uh, that's not bad you know my last marathon in Cork 325 I stopped twice and really was cramping up so this to kind of get from start to finish feel pretty good really was just the last mile where the pace dropped off by about 50 to 60 seconds otherwise I'm pretty happy you know 322 is okay and I definitely go good. I I've done Dublin I've done Cork Belfast and now Rotterdam and the atmosphere, there was about a million people on the streets. It was like, I haven't experienced anything like it ever. Like amazing, genuine support. To the extent, you know, I was kind of looking in the crowd thinking, do we know these people or something? Have, have we met before? Because people were so genuine in shouting your name and encouraging you on. Particularly, it, it's like the Tour de France. It gets really intense and on top of you for the last two miles. You go through this quiet park in the city with about 10k to go uh, just outside the city and, and it's very quiet and you're sort of you know, that's where you're going through the kind of dark uh, journey into your soul and your mind. And you're kind of questioning, what am I doing? Why didn't I stay playing golf? Look, like, what am I doing out here? And all of these thoughts are coming into your head. And um, then you swing back around for the last five K into the city. And people, as I said, you, you've only got maybe 15 feet, I'd say, because people have encroached so much on, on, on top of you. Amazing adrenaline rush as you're as you're coming along, trying, trying to finish the thing. Telling yourself not to stop because uh, your because your head is kind of saying, if I can just walk here for for twenty seconds, I'll be fine. But you know you won't. You know it's kind of in game if that happens. Um, so I was happy enough in the end, you know, to get across that line. Um, Three twenty two. It's not bad. I probably would have expected a little bit quicker. It doesn't qualify. I'm two minutes outside of qualifying for Boston, so of course I'll have to go again.
1: I've only done one. I did Dublin last year. It's it's hard to explain to people that. It's- <laughs> We're really trying to encourage him here. the mental and physical like uh, torture isn't too strong a word that the last few miles of a marathon are and how difficult it is to, as you say, balance, you know, want to go out, you know, leaving something in the tank, but then also you have a, a, a time in mind, which is 3.20. And if you've gone out a bit faster, would you have been able to have lost those couple of minutes at the end and still get over the line in 3.20? It's I wonder, has your thought process on the the kind of tactics there or
0: your approach changed, given the fact that you were just two minutes out of your, your target time? It's so hard to know, Mikey, because you go out at 315 pace then and you could end up kind of collapsing around mile 18 or something. Whereas, you know, as I said, it was really only the last two miles and the last mile in particular where I was sort of 50 seconds, 55 seconds slower than, say, the first, second or third mile. So. It's really difficult to know. And so many things have to go right. As you know, you're fueling. I did a different fueling strategy. I took on uh, the Morton drink. So Morton, are uh, they produce a range of fuel, which has a higher concentration of carbohydrates and doesn't give you the stomach issues. It doesn't have caffeine, for example. And that works well with me. So I took on the drink for the first hour. I I had two 250 milliliter uh, bottles, which I was drinking. And then I took on gels. Maybe I could have done. There was one gel left in my pouch when I got back. So I think I must have slightly miscalculated at some point. And maybe maybe I was slightly under fuel. I was very thirsty at mile 24 at the last fueling stop. So possibly I could have taken on a salt tablet. See, it, it, it <laughs> And then you you think about like the race was later. It was at 10 o'clock. We had breakfast at 20 past six. It's a long time between, say, finishing mm. breakfast at 20 to seven and you add on six hours to that when you're halfway through. Maybe I could have taken on some more food 20 minutes beforehand or something. All these variables that come into it. I think possibly on the day it was probably the time that I was going to do. Um, But there was like, I think 10 of us ran it and, People did fantastic, everything from 240 people. Some people got 20, 21 minute, 22 minute PBs, like quite incredible. So in general, I think our training, because we all trained under the same program, our training really worked. Um, It's different being away because obviously I didn't sleep for I I don't sleep well when I'm away in a hotel the first night, but I didn't sleep for two or three nights. Now, I don't think it made a huge difference, but. You're, we were walking around a lot on the Friday. We were walking around. You know what I mean? There's all of that to to factor into it as well. But then it's a great buzz being away, you know. And I think it's great being in a city like Rotterdam that I hadn't been in before. You're running the marathon and you're distracted all the time. Whereas when, I, when you're doing 20, 20 miles around your local park or whatever, it's hard. <laughs> like, it's hard to get out of your head. But when you're in the city like Rotterdam, you're looking to something new in every corner. There was a good few Irish people on the route who were cheering us. 30 life bands, there's a picture of me. I have some of the pictures are so cringy when you see pictures of yourself in the marathon, like you look awful. But there's one of them with me coming over a bridge at mile 18 and House of Pain had just come on and I was sort of pumping the air. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like me back at Fela in 1992 or something. I was pumping the air like I was getting such a buzz out of it. And uh, you kind of have to remind yourself, even though your time might be slightly off, you have to remind during it, I was saying to Adrian, this is amazing. Like I've never felt that like this is an incredible experience. And of course, that's the drug, isn't it? And that's the thing that kind of fools you into it. Like it's not the drudgery of the training or it's not the kind of tough, tough parts in the marathon when you're thinking I could just walk off here. I could just pretend I have an injury and I can just slip off to the side and become one of the crowd. Like that's literally what's going through your head. I mean, it's crazy stuff. But it's those moments of sheer, huge elation, a bit of house of pain. And that brings you back. So this, the, the sleep, I'm interested, you
1: said the sleep wasn't fantastic in the hotel. So um, I remember last week, Eddie Bosch was suggesting a terrible night's sleep two nights out from the marathon minus two and you'll be and you'll sleep like a baby the night before the marathon yeah. that didn't work for you
0: didn't quite happen now we probably made a mistake of getting too early a flight on friday morning we got a 6 a.m flight which meant for me getting up at 20 past three so that's kind of a night's sleep gone really you know i should have thought of that a bit better it was good to have that day we we um Went into Amsterdam, we went to an exhibition, we kind of hung around and, and it was good to have a day where we were distracted from the marathon. And then we had Saturday in Rotterdam, you're at the expo, you're kind of getting a bit excited about it. All the lads slept Saturday night. I didn't really sleep. I woke at 12, I woke at four and then you're up at five. And I thought, oh, look, I might as well get up now, like breakfast is at six. Um, I don't think that had a huge difference. Um, I think it was... M- yeah, I don't think it really would have impacted me more if I was here, say, sleeping at home. Like, I suppose that is the beauty of Cork or Dublin or, or a martin in Ireland, isn't it? That you probably will sleep in your own bed or at least just have one night away. Whereas we had two nights in a different kind of bed before the race. And it definitely did impact a little bit, but... I like if I had I had had got two nights of amazing sleep would it have made a big difference I'm not so sure and like I said it was the distraction of being away and running a route that you really didn't know it sort of kept me distracted and it meant that I wasn't really asking myself too many questions until right at the end um, the last sort of mile and a half that's when it kind of and it wasn't like, there wasn't at any stage I thought, I'm not going to finish this thing. It was just really, I thought, I've fallen off the pace by about 60 seconds here. Can I get it back on? I couldn't. And you just have to make peace with it then and say, well, I just need to, you know. You know, obviously, if you're running a marathon like that in the city, you're probably going to run more. And I, you know, I wasn't bothered about running the racing line or whatever. Um, so my watch pinged at about... I had a thousand meters to go. Honestly, they were the longest thousand meters that I've ran a long time. I I kept, because obviously on the track, we do a lot of 400, 800, thousand meters, whatever. And I kept thinking how many loops up the track is this? And usually we might do it in 90 seconds. And I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get that thousand meters? Which is crazy, isn't it? Because you've just ran, you know, 26 miles and a thousand meters should be kind of fine.
1: That happened to me in Dublin as well. I think my watch told me I would completed the marathon when I was in Ballsbridge. And I still had to run to Mary Rain Square, which is more Mm -hmm. than a thousand meters. I'd say it's a couple of miles. So I obviously took a terrible racing line the whole (laughs) way (laughs) around
0: Dublin. (laughs) It's very off putting, though, isn't it, Mikey? Because anything anything in those closing stages that can, anyway, kind of tip the balance. And psychologically, I was looking at my watch a bit, obviously thinking, I can't be far away. I can't be far away. And not knowing the route as well. Mm -hmm. You're not entirely sure where that finish line is going to appear Um, and of course that's what you learn from you learn to kind of forget about the watch and just to go by what the signage is telling you all around but the signage was in K's and we usually run a mile so it was slightly off-putting for us you know with a Martin with any Martin like you can say on paper I'm going to get 3.15 and go to Boston but The first thing you say on paper is, "I'm going to finish this marathon." And that's because that's not a given, you know. It's it's you, you have to get across that finish line. That's your first job, and then you can maybe think about your strategies and times and whether you go faster or or what you do. Literally two hours afterwards, we were sitting in the restaurant or in or in the pub, and we were kind of saying we were looking at marathons to do. Like it's <laughs> it's such a strange thing. You've just you've got a sickness,
1: right?
0: A hundred percent. I'm hopelessly addicted to it but you feel like emotionally physically beat up your at your lowest point and people were going uh civil is february isn't it <laughs> like i've said throughout the podcast that i i will miss the structure of marathon training mm-hmm. the race itself fine it was i did enjoy it yesterday but it, but it's more now like i won't run until sunday and i kind of really miss the fact that it's a bit aimless this week you know i don't really i don't have any I probably should focus on strength and conditioning for the next few months. And I I say that after every marathon, but I think this time I really will. Yeah, I was kind
1: of the same after Dublin at first. I was a bit put out by the the shakedown where they try and make you sign up within, I think, 48 hours of finishing the race, which I thought was a a little bit crass. But actually, the link they sent me about two weeks later, I said, OK, maybe I'll do it. (laughs) <laughs> and the still worked so I, I signed up so um I'm doing it again it is it is funny and I'm very same as you I said maybe I should do a little bit more strength and conditioning and of course I didn't I actually just gave up running for a few months and played, played soccer instead and then discovered I have arthritis so um, but at
0: least with soccer Mikey you have that little bit of cross training I mean I just have running you know I think any bit of cross training is really good and really beneficial I could definitely see the people who were finishing strong around me looked really well conditioned and looked a little bit bulkier than I was, you know, mm-hmm. um, although I, I was quite pleased with this marital block. I tracked my weight quite a bit and I think I'd lost three kilos, which to me is very good. I'd lost seven and a half kilos for cork, which was too much and definitely was under fueled. Um, and I think that's definitely something I'll do for every marathon. I'll check my, my weight at the start. I'll check it kind of halfway through and i'll check it again towards the end and it's probably something that i didn't pay enough attention to in the past and i'm definitely prioritizing it now you know
1: a lot of us are looking are looking to lose weight when they are doing marathon training brian is half the reason to do
0: it <laughs> i know but it can go the other way like i think i was down to nine or nine and a half stone or something for all oh, right yeah,
1: yeah yeah
0: you know and for me 11 is usually my my average so you like look you are going to lose Wait, like there's there's no getting away from that it's impossible if you're doing kind of 55 60 miles a week whatever you're doing i'd have to say Rotterdam. if you're if you're thinking of an overseas marathon fantastic like i really couldn't recommend it more brilliant organization excellent public transport hotel right in the center really nice hotel it was 450 meters from the start line from our hotel flights were pretty inexpensive the marathon itself wasn't wasn't too expensive compared to, you know, some of the other major marathons around the world. So I would really recommend Rotterdam. uh, A million people cheering you Yeah, a million people. I couldn't believe the crowds that came out. And it was kind of genuine support, you know what I mean? Sometimes I've been at marathons where people are kind of there to have a bit of crack looking at you. And said, <laughs> you know, whereas this was really heartfelt and genuine, and they've huge pride in the fact that they have this amazing sporting event. You know, I suppose Brian,
1: what people might be wondering is what what if anything did you take into the marathon from all the people you would spoken to on the first series of the podcast? Was there anything that really stuck with you that you actually tried to implement or integrate into your own running for this marathon?
0: Yeah, there was a couple of things. Um, I think it was Mary Jennings who had said to me one week, I was kind of saying to her, you know, if my legs feel heavy, but uh, I have to run tomorrow. I have to run Thursday and then I do my long run Sunday. And I think she was saying, well, what's important there? What's important is you do that long run Sunday and you do it at the pace you want to do it at and you feel comfortable. So I'm a real stickler for Strava, the kind of looking at my weekly total has to be 50 miles. It can't be 49.5. And once I hit that 50 miles, I feel that's my week done. I think possibly you have to run a little bit more on feel and a little bit more on intuition and how does your body feel? And my legs feel very heavy today. I Even if my legs felt heavy, I was still inclined to go out and run. Now, I had COVID, so I missed the first two and a half weeks of, of the training block. And that probably had an impact. And it probably took another week or two to come back from that. So so, so that's one thing is to run a little bit more on feel and run not to give yourself a hard time to rest. And I probably am the kind of person who doesn't tend to miss a session or doesn't tend to miss a run. The other thing is that I, you know, I haven't listened to Evan last week who would go to 24 and maybe even who would actually do a marathon in his training block. But obviously at a slower, slower pace, but would would push beyond that. The kind of the death zone, if you like the unknown territory to 22 to 26 miles. And he would go into that territory in training runs. We went to 22, but we didn't. But within that 22, it was like nine. I was I can't remember. Was it wasn't nine on nine off or something. Um, maybe for me, I might have needed to have done a longer, a long run with most of it, maybe 80 percent of that run at marathon pace. And I probably didn't, I mean, I did maybe 40, 50, 60% of the run at Marathon Base. Now, there's pros and cons of that. But possibly if I I do Dublin, I probably would. And I might even go to 24 miles in one of the long runs just to know that all you've got is 15 minutes left at that point, 14 minutes, whatever it is. It's tricky. You have to trust the training. And then I I kind of picked up a few niggles in the last week or so, which I still have a hip thing, but it didn't really impact on the race, to be honest, but you could it sort of plays into your mind psychologically. Like everybody in the last week thinks they have, you know, injuries. I think it's just a psychological to your body, maybe contracting a little bit because you've had these really high miles and you're tapering way down. Definitely strength and conditioning. I know I I know I said it, but even uh, like two 30 minute sessions a week at home body strength have to include those because possibly that could have made difference in the last two miles and really to to just enjoy the process of it and the other thing is probably easier to train for a nearly autumn marathon I think because you've more light obviously you know we did train through the worst of 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 the winter and started on the 1st of January or whatever and the weather conditions were ideal in Rotterdam yesterday. It was overcast. It was quite chilly. It was like 10 or 11 degrees. Perfect for us. Like local people were saying, oh, it's so cold and so overcast. And we were like, oh, this is amazing. Brilliant conditions. Mm-hmm. Thank God the sun isn't shining. Um, so they're the kind of couple of takeaways from it. And I know people have been in touch who are considering their first marathon and definitely Mary and Evan and people like that have really connected with. And Katrina McKeown and I thought was great as well, because, you know, I was obsessed with stats and I was throwing all her stats at her. And I was saying, when you when you when you ran London, you know, God, you did a really good negative split. And what was your time for the first half? And she was saying, I haven't a clue. I just crossed the line first. That's that's the stat I know. So I can get a bit caught up on that, Mikey. You know, I can be mm-hmm. really obsessed with stats and micromanaging it. And if I go 7.24 pace here, could I, And when you're in the marathon, of course, like it rarely turns out that way. Your kind of paces are pinging a little bit all over the place. Um, and I I have to say, though, I it's probably my most enjoyable marathon, you know, even though the last two miles were tough. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the experience of it. Really got a great buzz off the crowd. Some people don't interact with, like I'm a great man for the high-fiving and for kind of getting the crowd going and all of that stuff. I just enjoy that and it kind of gives me a bit of a lift.
1: So finally then, what's next? Is it going to be Dublin?
0: I have an entry for Dublin. I'm not sure. I'll see how how the next uh, couple of months go. I'm going to do the Cork half, a couple of races over the summer and maybe next year Seville, Berlin maybe. That Might be on the cards. I'd love to do a couple of trail races over the summer. My coach listen to this now, he'll kill me. But I'd love to do a couple of those mountain races and see what happens, you know, cross country. And across country, I would recommend to anybody. It does definitely give you a really good base. Um, and I think just to realize that you know, to to take three minutes off a of PP was really hard. If if I want to go from there to the next level, which is maybe 310, 315. You know it's going to require a huge commitment and to try and not i think sometimes when i've done a marathon i've fallen off to training of course, you have to because i mean you have to get back to your life you know because you do part, part yeah. of your life but i i think i'm going to take a week off and i'm going to try and keep the volume around 40 50 miles a week if i can All right. well look thank you for letting us know how our went, and um like the podcast was great too because when i was at mile 24 and 25 i was saying I have to finish this thing like I've just done a podcast for 12 weeks saying how I'm going to finish this it just really kept me honest for those last two months so that's what I recommend to anyone just you know do a podcast because it means you're going to probably finish it anyway (laughs) because you have to pride has to kick in
1: cheers Mikey (laughs) cheers Brian
0: The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell